This morning we're continuing our look at our study of the Holy Spirit. We began this study last week, and we're going to continue the study throughout the course of the coming weeks, and we'll be looking at a variety of aspects of who the Holy Spirit is. We'll be looking at His ministry to us, what He does, and this morning we're going to be looking at a variety of scriptures, but I'm going to start us off in Mark chapter 13, and we're going to be asking the question and answering it, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? So turn with me for starters here to Mark chapter 13. I'm going to begin by reading verses 9 through 11 just to set this up, and then we're going to be looking at a variety of other scriptures as well. Mark chapter 13, starting with verse 9, this is what it states. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils. And you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for giving us the privilege and the opportunity to be able to look at your word together and study it and think about what it contains and and, uh, all the useful things that we learn from it. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to grow in our walk with you. We pray that you'd help us to understand what it means to be men and women who are indwelled with your spirit. We're grateful, Father, for your spirit doing his work within us. And Lord, uh, so often, as was already said this morning earlier, your spirit is, is forgotten by so many people, which is a shame because when we look at what your word tells us, your son told us that, that the spirit would be sent to guide and teach and minister to us during this era. And so, Father, we know that it's through your spirit that you're empowering us. It's through your spirit that you're giving us wisdom and understanding It's through your spirit that you're helping us to grow in our walk with you and helping us to notice things that we would not naturally understand or know. It's through your spirit that you opened up our eyes to be able to see our need for salvation. So, Lord, we pray that now as we take a look at this portion of your word and and many other complementary portions as well, we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us. We're grateful to be able to spend this time thinking about how you speak to us through your spirit. And we pray that you would do so even now. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm grateful for the life that I have through faith in Jesus Christ. And Scripture teaches us that through faith in Jesus, we are reconciled to God, meaning we were far away, but now we're near. So that's the idea of reconciliation. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled to God. We no longer need to live at a distance from Him. And I think many people in this world, even if they believe God exists, there are many people in this world who, when they think of God, they think of Him as being a distance away. And I hope that none of us gathered here think of God as being distant from us, because He certainly certainly doesn't desire that you or I live as if He's distant from us. But many people have this impression that He's distant from us. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled to Him. And since we don't need to live at a distance from God, I'm grateful that we get to talk to Him and listen to Him. 
He gives us the privilege to approach Him with prayer. And when, when, you, when you look at what Scripture tells us about that, Scripture reveals to us in the book of Hebrews that the Lord desires that we come before Him with confidence, meaning that you and I would understand that we are welcomed into His presence through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on our behalf. We are welcomed into the Father's presence through prayer. And when you think about that sort of arrangement, when you think about how the Lord has orchestrated things to operate in our relationship with Him, does that feel special to you? Is that something that, that brings you encouragement? Is that something that you enjoy? Are you grateful for the privilege to literally talk with God? A friend of mine posted a question online recently, and he said, if you could have lunch with any living person right now, who would it be? And it was interesting to see the answers that people suggested with that. And a lot of times people, when they're given a question like that, they, they you know, just mention different famous people or political figures or people of that, uh, you know, of that caliber. And here we have the opportunity to literally talk to God. That's a privilege that we've been given. He created us to enjoy that kind of fellowship with Him. And it's been His desire for all time to enjoy healthy friendship and healthy fellowship with His children and much of that relationship is expressed through healthy communication. And that's a privilege that you and I have been blessed with. Now, not long ago, in fact, it was really just a few days ago, uh, my two sons joined me for dinner at a local restaurant. You may have seen that the other evening, we'll give a plug for them. We sat down and had dinner together at Cracker Barrel. I get no compensation for this advertisement, although they should, and I appreciate the fact that they put fried pickles on their appetizer menu. A lot of good things to talk about today, but I'll have to get to that part later. But we sat down, my sons and I, we all had the evening free, and we were like, hey, are you free? Yeah. Are you free? Yeah. Do we just want to like grab dinner somewhere? Yeah, where do we want to go? Let's just go over to Cracker Barrel. So we did that. And uh, it was nice. And, and I'll tell you, this is not a surprise probably to anybody, but when they were growing up, I always looked forward to the day when we would begin interacting more like peers and would begin swapping stories and telling each other about our day and making each other laugh. And I was thinking about that, even in the midst of that conversation, because I'm grateful to see that kind of season emerging in our relationship with each other, because that's what my relationship with my father happens to be like. Multiple times each week, particularly on Sundays as I drive home from church, I give my dad a call. And I asked him about how his worship service went and, you know, what things were, were like any given Sunday at his church. And then he asks us how we're doing here and how things went here. And, and uh, then he makes fun of me and I make fun of him. And then we talk about the same things that we talk about every other time that we talk. But here's the thing. I enjoy it. And I like the fact that it's become part of our pattern. It's something that we've been doing for a very long time. And when I think about that level of communication, whether it be communication that I have the privilege to have with my children or communication I have the, the privilege to have with my father, I think about the fact that God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him, even on a deeper level. He delights to listen to his children as they approach him in prayer. And he most certainly wants us to listen to him as he's speaking to us and pay close attention to the words that he speaks to us. But how does God speak to us? That's the thing we're wrestling with today. How does God speak to us? I've heard people say, and you've probably heard people say this too, and some of them you probably thought were crackpots when they said this sort of thing. And I will confess that there are certain people that I have heard make these claims that I'm like, I don't know that I believe you. Um, but God speaks to us and, and uh, it's kind of useful to analyze what Scripture reveals to us about how He speaks to us. 
You ever think about that? You know, if you want to hear from God, if you want to communicate with God and actually listen to His voice as He speaks to us, how does He actually speak to you? How does He speak to us as believers? How is God trying to talk to you and me even right now? How is He speaking to us? Well, Scripture reveals at least six primary ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we would do well to heed His voice. And I'm going to go with most obvious to maybe least obvious as I share these six different areas. But for starters, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through Scripture. Now, if you look at what it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, it says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you, you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, when you and I open the Scriptures, when you take a look at the Bible, you're looking at words that were directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. He inspired the human writers of the Bible to write those specific words down, and as you read those words, as I read those words, he makes a point to illuminate the meaning of those words to our hearts and to our minds so that we'll understand what we're actually reading. So when we, when we come to the Scriptures, what we ought to do is, is pray over these things and dwell on them and think about these things, because what the Holy Spirit is doing is He's revealing His mind, He's revealing His heart to us through the things that He inspired the human writers to write down. He wants us to understand what He's communicated, and I'm grateful for the providential ways that He allows us to have access to His Word. In my office right over here, I have, I think I have at least 40 Bibles. Uh, in my home. I don't know how many I have. I found one the other day that I forgot that I bought. And I thought, oh, I forgot I had this one. And, uh, and, and you probably have a similar circumstance like that. We're so blessed to live in an era, era where we can just carry a printed Bible. Even just the, the miracle of being able to carry the entire Bible in printed form is something that most people throughout the course of history have not had the luxury to do. But now we also live in this era where we can carry a digital Bible with us wherever we go. Just the other evening after our Wednesday night Bible study, one of the things that our group was discussing were some of the, the Bible study apps that we carry on our phones and we were kind of swapping notes and comparing with one another and taking pictures of different uh, home screens on each other's phones so that we could figure out what apps we might want on our phones. And I look at this and I think, all right, whether it be printed media or digital media, we live in an era where we have unprecedented access to the Word of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, we could read it with our own eyes. And here's the thing, even if you're not much of a reader, or even if your eyes are feeling kind of weak and tired, no problem. You could listen to it through recorded media. That's the era we live in. Accessibility to the Word of God is at an all-time high. But God's Word is the standard by, by which all our decisions should be made. Have you ever come across somebody, or many people, or most people that you know, who have a different standard? What's the standard that most people use when they're trying to make life choices or life decisions. The standard is typically something emotional in nature, isn't it? It's usually feeling. So sometimes people will say, a gut feeling. I just have a gut feeling. 
Okay, well, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to your gut. I can make mine smaller. But he has a higher standard than your gut. He has a higher standard than your feelings. We have the revealed word of God. The Holy Spirit will never communicate something to our hearts that conflicts with what he's inspired in the Bible. You ever think about that? He will, never con- he will never convey something to your heart. He'll never communicate something to your heart that is out of line with what he's revealed in Scripture. He's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to, in one moment, inspire the writers of Scripture to pen something specific down and then tell you to do the opposite. He, he doesn't contradict himself. He doesn't tell you one thing in one place and a different thing in another place. He's consistent. His integrity is intact. And if you're unsure about what you think you're hearing from him, you can always look to the scriptures to confirm if what you believe is correct. And in fact, that's exactly what we should do. That's also why we as a church prioritize the teaching and the study of the Word of God, because it makes us less prone to be deceived. If we understand the Word of God, we're less likely to buy into cultural narratives. We're less likely to to buy into different forms of deception. We're less likely to trust our feelings when our feelings lie to us. Sometimes my feelings lie to me. Sometimes my feelings lie to me just because I'm tired or because I'm angry or because I'm hungry. My feelings lie to me in those moments. And then when you find yourself in a little bit more of a rational moment, you're like, oh, wait, I shouldn't have trusted my feelings in that moment. They lied to me, but the Word of God will never lie to you because it's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, and He illuminates it, meaning He shines the light on it. He makes us able to understand what we're reading. I think a lot of times people think, oh, you know, they look at the Bible, and you don't have to confess if this is you, but I I would assume that there's probably multiple people in our presence right now that at least at some point in their life have probably thought this. You've probably looked at maybe a printed copy of the Bible and looked at that thing and maybe even opened opened it up to some place in the Bible, not knowing exactly where to start. Do I start at the beginning? Can I start in the middle? Should I start someplace else? And looked at it and thought, I'll never understand what this is talking about. Can I just let you know you will understand what it's talking about if you take time to sit down and read the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit will make it clear to you. He will do that for you. He does that sometimes in a context like this where we talk about the Scriptures together, you know, Bible studies with groups, but also personal study. But literally, if you take the risk to sit down and read the Word of God, I believe that the Holy Spirit will help you understand what you're reading. And if you come across something that you don't understand at first, do this. This is one of my favorite things to do. If I come across something in Scripture that's a little fuzzy to me when I read it, I take a pencil and I put a little question mark by it, and that's just a note to myself. Come back to that and see if you could discern what that's talking about. Look at some of the companion Scriptures, see if you could figure out what that's talking about. And you know what? The Holy Spirit interprets Scripture with Scripture. He helps us understand the parts we don't understand super well by helping us understand the parts that we do understand better. And he uses Scripture to help interpret the Scriptures that we don't understand. But that's one of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But it's not the only way he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit also speaks to us through prayer. Look at what it tells us in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, a couple things I could point out to you even before we dig into to what's being talked about here, but 
a lot of times, we, and we talked about this last week, a lot of times people refer to the Holy Spirit through uh, the designation it, right? A lot of times people do that. They don't understand the Holy Spirit is He. They don't understand that the Holy Spirit is God. God exists in three co-eternal and co-equal persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are the same in their nature, but distinct in their roles. And the Holy Spirit, when you look at what Scripture tells us, we're told that they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, well, if the Holy Spirit is saying something, what's being demonstrated here is personhood, that He is a He. He speaks, right? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So you see very personal designations of who the Holy Spirit is, and He speaks to us through prayer. Now, prayer is a spiritual discipline that, that we learn to value as our faith matures. As your faith in Jesus Christ grows, as your faith matures, you will learn to value prayer more and more and more over time. The early church, they were known, one of the things they were known for was their, the fact that they were very committed to pray. They prayed for each other, and they prayed with each other. They would gather together to seek the Lord's guidance. They would gather together to seek the Lord's direction in the midst of a culture that was very hostile to their faith. I would imagine that the church of our day would be inspired to be more active in prayer if we were experiencing the level of persecution that the believers were experiencing during this particular era, but they would gather together. Sometimes they'd have to do so very secretly. They'd gather together for prayer. They were known for being people of prayer. And in Acts chapter 13, we're told of one such instance when the church was gathering together to worship the Lord. It tells us they were worshiping the Lord. They were fasting. They, were, they, they had set aside this time to come before the Lord in prayer and, um, and in fellowship. And during their time of worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, and He revealed that He had called Barnabas and Saul to a ministry of evangelism and church planting. That's what he had called them to do. And so in response, you have the church getting together and praying for these men, and then they lay hands on them to commission them for this task, and then they set them off for the work that they've been called to do. But the Holy Spirit made this, made this very clear to the church in this time of prayer and worship. And if you and I desire to gain some clarity on God's calling on our life, and I'm sure that there are many of us that think about this, and maybe you think about this in, in stretches throughout the course of your life. You know, Lord, is this the assignment you want me to be doing during my 20s? Is this what you want me to be doing in my 30s, in my 40s, in my 50s, in my 60s, my 70s, my 80s, my 90s? Or if you're like Pastor John Zook, who stops by now and then in your hundreds, right? Wherever you're at, the Lord's not going to waste that season of your life. And if you're wrestling with and want to gain more clarity on God's calling for your life, let me encourage you to come before Him in prayer and just ask Him to direct your steps. I've done this many times. I've received answers and confirmation to those prayers in the Lord's timing. When it was time for me to know His answers, the Holy Spirit has always made His will for me known, and I believe He'll do the same for you. And when you look at Acts chapter 13, you could see that that's exactly what was taking place in the early church. The believers were gathered together to pray, to worship, to fast. And the Holy Spirit said, do this, set apart these two guys, set apart Barnabas, set apart Saul. There's a work I've called them to do, and I want you to set them apart for it. And the church listened as the Holy Spirit spoke to them in that time of prayer. But there's another way Scripture reveals to us that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. At times, He speaks to our conscience. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when you look at verses 11 and 12, we're told this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So here, Paul is saying, we have received that spirit, the spirit of God. He lives within us, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So here the Apostle Paul is helping us to understand that at times the Holy Spirit will speak to our consciences directly. Now, the moment you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, that very moment, the Holy Spirit took up residence within you. He moved within you. He lives within you. He indwells and lives inside you. He speaks to your conscience in a way that this world does not understand because this world does not have a relationship with Him. There are things that He will help you to see and understand that you would not naturally have known. He speaks to you that way. He makes our consciences sensitive to His leading. He helps us to care. Do you, ever, do you ever notice, like if you're looking at different chapters of your life, how at this season you care about things that at an earlier season you don't really care much about? And you think, why am I more sensitive to that now than I was at this earlier season? Why is it on my radar now? And I didn't really think about it much earlier. Well, I believe that that's the Holy Spirit helping our consciences to understand truth as our faith continues to grow. And sometimes you might feel like He's speaking to you, He's speaking to your conscience through a gentle conviction. Other times He's going to prompt you and your conscience to take a specific action or to say something or to accept a truth that He's revealing. Have you ever had a moment where the Spirit of God prompted you to say something very specific to somebody? You ever had a moment like that? You ever had a moment where it, he was clearly operating in your conscience to make contact with somebody else about something? I had an instance a few years ago where, um, by the way, I had a car accident this week. Um, those of you that have had car accidents, I'm sure you enjoy that. Uh, uh, a... Uh, a truck carrying plywood, lost some of its load, smashed all in the front of my car. Happened to like my car. It's got a busted nose right now, and the body shop told me it's going to take a little while to get that fixed up. So just don't look at the front of my car. The rest of it looks okay. Just don't look at the front or the front left fender. But a few years ago, I had a, uh, like, I, I woke up, it was like two something at night. It was almost three in the morning. And, um, and I woke up, and I felt compelled to pray for my friend and his family. And I knew that they were doing some traveling, and, um, and I just texted him, even though it was late, but I know he's a late bird, and so I knew that I could pray for him. And I, I prayed for him, and I said, hey, um, I feel like the Holy Spirit woke me up to pray for you right now, so I'm just praying for you right now, and I hope you're doing okay. And, uh, and that was that. And a few minutes later, he said, oh, my. And I was like, what? And this is all via text. And he said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow, but uh, the, the tire on our car just blew out and threw us off the road. And I looked at the timing of your text, and you were praying for us right when that happened. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay. Like, that's an interesting thing. That same friend, um, we happened to be meeting up our, our family his family and my family just love Knobles. It's the first time this summer you've heard me say that, but I'll say it many more times, I'm sure. And we decided his family's in Ohio, our family's here, we would meet up there. 
And I remember one day we were going to meet with them there. And uh, I was in the ticket area, and we were getting tickets for our family. And I happened to look at this one guy. And I just looked at him. And for some reason, like this, this uh, prodding of my conscience just came over me. I believe it was the Holy Spirit saying, pray for that man. And so I looked at that guy, and I was like, I need to pray for that man. And I was convinced in that moment that there was some form of spiritual oppression taking place in that man's life. And I don't just toss these things around. I don't look around for like a demon behind every corner. Not that type of personality. But I just remember in that moment looking at him, I was like, something's going on in that guy's life. And I didn't just invent this in my mind. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for this guy. So I saw that friend a few hours later, and uh, I didn't tell him about this, but then he said to me, he said, hey, do you see that guy over there? And because uh, the guy happened to walk past us, he's like, I don't know why, but I honestly feel like the Spirit is telling me we need to be praying for that guy today. And I said, Nate, I kid you not, this morning when I was waiting for you to get here, the, the Spirit told me that same exact thing for that same exact guy. And so we prayed for the guy. And I, and I just remember thinking to myself, I, I thought, wow, to, to have that confirmation of the Holy Spirit say that to me, I was certain he was saying that to me, and he said it to another friend of mine as well, sometimes the Spirit of God will just speak to your conscience that way, and he'll invite you to take a specific action, or say something specific, or do something. The Spirit often, as he speaks to our conscience, will also give us great peace. There are moments in your life where you may be going through certain things that you're thinking, all right, naturally speaking, I guess I should be worried. But he'll give you peace about your circumstances. He'll give you peace about decisions that you're making or courses of action that you're choosing to take. Now, here's the thing. If you're living in rebellion against him and you're attempting to sear your conscience because you want to go your own way instead of listening to his direction, you're not going to hear his voice in a moment like that. Or you're not going to be likely to. You're not setting yourself up to hearing that if you're just living in willful ignorance or rebellion against him. But if you submit yourself over to him and submit yourself to his leading, you're going to hear his voice. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to your conscience and nudge you in particular ways. And when he does so, accept that and go in the direction he leads. But even still, that's not the only way Scripture reveals to us that he sometimes speaks. When you look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 12, we're told that sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks with a still, small voice. Look at what this scripture tells us. It says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Now, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit is speaking to believers, but if someone asked you, how do you think God typically speaks to people, how would you answer that question? Do you primarily expect Him to speak in some form of a dramatic fashion, uh, with like a great demonstration of His power, or do you have an expectation that He might speak in a different way? Does He speak through a strong wind? Does He speak through earthquakes? Does He speak through severe fires to get our attention or prod us to do His will? Elijah was a prophet during the course of the Old Testament. He had witnessed God do many dramatic and many miraculous things. And when you look at in, in the book of 1 Kings, you can actually see that Elijah had seen God send fire from the heavens when the prophets of Baal were being confronted. And following that dramatic event, you have the things that are recorded here in 1 Kings chapter 19, where the Lord demonstrates to Elijah that he did not 
require a dramatic demonstration of might to communicate his will. Sometimes he spoke in less dramatic ways. In fact, it was a low whisper or a still small voice that the Holy Spirit used to speak to Elijah while Elijah was here at Horeb. And here in our context, I have to say this, the Holy Spirit doesn't require a dramatic display to give us guidance. You know, if it's your thought or, or, or my thought that, that he requires some sort of dramatic display, I think sometimes we're missing the point. I think he can provide encouragement or correction or direct teaching that has the force of a mighty wind, even though his words are being delivered just in a low whisper. And that was Elijah, what he was experiencing in this particular context, but I think it's useful for us to understand that as well. But again, that's not the only way that the Holy Spirit has historically spoken to people. Think about this for a second. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks in dreams and visions. Now, this is where the service gets weird, all right? This is where we get a little, like, like what kind of church did I just go to? You may be wondering. Sometimes I wonder, too. Um, but in Acts chapter 2, we're told this. And by the way, this is the Apostle Peter quoting from the book of Joel as he's giving his sermon on Pentecost, and it says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, your old men are going to see, or yeah, your old men will dream dreams, right? Again, this portion of Scripture that you have the Apostle Peter quoting from the book of Joel, he's quoting this here, he's delivering this sermon on the day of Pentecost, soon after Christ's ascension back to heaven. Now, when you read throughout the Old Testament, you could see this happen in multiple ways, but during the Old Testament era, the Holy Spirit would sometimes speak to people through dreams and visions, and Peter expressed that the Holy Spirit would do something similar to that in the last days. Now, when are the last days? Anyone think we're living in the last days? Well, not to creep you out, but you are. But here's the thing. The last days, you know what they, they comprise? The time between Christ's first coming and His second coming. So I don't know how long the last days will be, but when Scripture is referencing the last days, typically that's what it's talking about, this period of time that we're in right now while we're waiting for Christ to return again. And the Scripture tells us that in the last days... Young men will see visions, old men shall dream dreams. So the Holy Spirit will sometimes give a dream or a vision that communicates something. But again, we have to be very careful with this one. He's never going to give someone a dream or a vision that contradicts the clear teaching of Scripture. So this is an area that we have to use extra discernment, because I have heard people who have made claims that the Holy Spirit spoke to them in dreams, and then the messages they claim, when you look at the details of those messages, uh, those messages conflict with the Word of God. By the way, that's how cults start and false religions start, because it's hard to argue with a dream, isn't it? Like if somebody comes up to you and says, God told me, and by the way, be very careful about using that phrase, God told me. We blame God for so many things that are just 100% our decision or our preference, but we feel like if we blame God, then you can't argue with that, right? Can't argue with that. If I say God told me, it's like, well, I can't argue with God if God told you that. 
It's like, sometimes it's fair to say, if someone says, God told me this, great, prove it. Prove that God told you that. Prove it. I want to know, prove it. Does that align with what Scripture says? God told me in a dream. I believe he can do that. Prove it. Prove he did that. I want to see some proof. If what you're saying does not align with what the teaching of Scripture says, I don't believe you for even a half second. Because God is not going to contradict himself. But here's the thing. I do believe that God can speak to people in dreams, and I do believe that he could speak to people in visions. I'm just saying he's not going to contradict the Word of God. He's given us that standard so that we can measure these things by. Now, some people debate whether or not God uses dreams or visions during this era of history, or if now, since the Scriptures are completed, that maybe this era of history, dreams and visions might not be quite as necessary. And I certainly understand that, and I can confess to you that different seasons of my life and my theological understanding, I've wrestled with that issue personally, and so if that's where you land, that's totally fine with me. I have to admit, I'm just going to be honest with you and and just say that... um, I am not as locked tight on that maybe as I once was. I actually do believe that during this era of history that God at times speaks to people in dreams and visions. Again, I just hold it up to the teaching of Scripture and what Scripture says, but here's something I'm very curious about, and I'm curious to find out maybe if you've thought about these things as well, but in recent days, there have been a lot of testimonies that have been coming out of places in this world that are completely shut off to the open proclamation of the gospel. So there are places in this world, you know, it's kind of interesting, and I, we take this for granted sometimes, but I announce to the world that I'm going to be standing in this pulpit talking about Jesus every Sunday. You know, we've got our website on the church sign, we've got all sorts of things on the internet. It's no secret that from this pulpit every Sunday I'm going to be talking about Jesus. And when I do so, I don't fear arrest, I don't fear government retribution, and I, I hope that's not something that we ever have to deal with. But there are people throughout the course of this world who at present right now are dealing with that sort of thing, where if they openly proclaim the message of the gospel, they will be arrested or executed. I've been, many of you know that I've been highly involved in podcasting where I record these messages and I record the scriptures and I disseminate those online. And one of my favorite things to notice from the metrics is when the scriptures and when sermons from this pulpit when I see that they've been downloaded in places where it's illegal to openly proclaim the gospel, I feel so rogue in those moments. I'm like, I'm behind the line. I'm behind the line. You know, let's see what happens, right? But there are believers who legitimately are putting their life on the line to proclaim the gospel in certain places in this world that are hostile. And I continue to hear testimonies of people in parts of the world that are shut off to the open proclamation of the gospel where they keep having dreams and visions of Jesus. And here's what I think about that. No, I don't believe everybody that says something like that. Sometimes I'm a little skeptical, and sometimes I think people just want attention. But I will say that in many cases like that, I think to myself, you know what, that seems well within the realm of possibility to me that our Lord would do that. Seems well within the realm of possibility that He would do that. Again, just those dreams, those visions, that needs to be held up to the standard of what Scripture actually says to prevent foolish decisions or doctrinal errors from being made. But again, when you go back to Acts chapter 2, as Peter is quoting from the book of Joel, I'll read it again. He says, and in the last days shall it, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Scripture says that and I, I'm inclined to believe it. 
One other area that I want to finish with this morning, an area that I believe that the Holy Spirit commonly speaks to us, and that's through other people. Now, I'll give you just a part of a verse from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, but there it starts off by saying, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. The Holy Spirit speaks through other people. Have you ever experienced a moment in your life where you could tell that God was speaking to you through the words of somebody else? You ever had a moment like that? You know, maybe you heard a teacher or a preacher explain something, and it convicted your heart, and you thought, you know what, I, I feel like the Lord was speaking to me through that person today, or maybe a friend, or maybe a mentor, or maybe a spiritual leader said something to you that was oddly specific, and it demonstrated that God was at work in that conversation, making sure that a certain message hit your ears. Do you ever have something like that? I've often told you how when I was growing up, um, I really needed some encouragement from different seasons and how the Lord would speak to me through some of the, the adult leaders in my home church, how at times He would speak very specific things to me through them, and it was very timely and very encouraging. And when you look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, we're shown that the Holy Spirit spoke to David through the prophet Nathan, and in that particular context, Nathan was sent to David to confront David about his sin and invite him to repent of that. And here's the thing, quite regularly, and you see demonstrations of this throughout the Scriptures, but I'm sure you've also noticed this as a day-to-day -day application in your Christian life, quite regularly the Holy Spirit will grant us wise counsel, He will grant us advice, He will grant us words of encouragement that are delivered to our ears by our brothers or sisters in Christ. Sometimes our Christian family will comfort us when we need comfort, sometimes they will speak a word of comfort to us that I believe the Holy Spirit prompted them to say. Other times, our Christian family, our brothers and sisters in Christ will teach us. Sometimes they'll counsel us. Sometimes, like Nathan did for David, they will lovingly confront us. Uh, I remember, um, where's Phil? Phil and I had an instance, and I, I won't go into any specifics, but there was someone in our church family a time, you know, a while back, who uh, approached Phil and said, Phil, could you uh, give me some counsel on this specific area? And it was an area that I think was a bit confrontational to this brother. And Phil told him the truth of what Scripture said. And I didn't know Phil had talked to this guy. And then he came up to me soon after, and he said, hey, I have a question for you about something, and I'd like your opinion on it. And, uh, and I, I said, all right, well, let me just straight up tell you what Scripture says. This is what Scripture says about it. And he said, all right, you're the second person that's told me that same thing. He said, I asked the same question to Phil, and uh, both you and Phil are giving me the same counsel, and so that's the change I'm going to make. And I thought that was really humble of that person who sought out counsel and invited brothers in Christ to actually speak a, a word of admonition or even confrontation into his life, but that is one of the typical ways that the Lord will speak to us. He will oftentimes use our brothers and sisters in Christ to speak a word of truth as we remind one another of the teaching of Scripture. And so the Holy Spirit makes great use of our conversations with one another. I actually believe this is one of the main reasons that the Lord encourages us to not forsake assembling together, because one of the ways that He's trying to speak into your life is through your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you make a habit throughout the course of your life of avoiding your brothers and sisters in Christ, there are things that are going to be to your benefit that you won't be in the position to hear. And there's going to be needless pain that you experience because you don't have the wisdom that was supposed to come to you through someone you were supposed to spend time with. And so I genuine, genuinely appreciate the fact that even as we're gathered here today, you don't have to be here. Nobody's making you be here. 
You know, no, well, I don't think so. I'm looking at some of the young people. Maybe somebody made you be here, okay? But those of you that are different season of life, I highly doubt anyone made you be here. You're here by choice. No one twisted your arm to be here. And what's one of the benefits that we experience as we worship the Lord together? We hear from the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us in our times of worship and prayer, and he also speaks to us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me say this as we finish up. We're going to be looking at a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. But early on, I wanted to cover this subject of how does he speak to us, because I think it's vital. And I'm just curious to know, and you don't have to answer out loud, I just want you to answer this in your own heart, but do you desire to hear from the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be a man or a woman who goes throughout the course of your life directly hearing him as he speaks to you? Do you want to hear from him? Do you want, to, do you, do you want him to regularly speak to you? Do you want that to be the pattern of your life? If that's what you desire, if that's what you want, let me encourage you to spend time in prayer, Spend time in the Scriptures. Spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do all three. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Scriptures. And spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And keep your heart from evil so that your ears will be open to what the Spirit is trying to say. And I'll believe that you'll, I believe that you'll hear His voice as He teaches you, as He enlightens you, as He confronts you, as He directs you. And as he comforts you, I believe he'll speak to us. And I'm grateful that he chooses to minister to us in that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the ways in which you speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We're so grateful that he illuminates the truth of your word to us. We're so grateful that he speaks to us in and through prayer. So grateful for all the different ways that, that he, he makes the will of God clear in our minds and in our hearts. We're grateful, Father, for the people that you have placed in our lives who live in close communion with you, and your Spirit speaks through them to us. Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the ways in which you reveal your will, and you, you confront us when we need confrontation, and you provide comfort and wisdom and understanding through your Spirit, speaking through your people. Father, we're grateful for the fact that as we're gathered together that you've impressed upon the heart of our church family to be people who prioritize the teaching of your Word because we know that it was your Spirit who inspired these words to be written. We know that it's through your Word that we understand your will. So we pray that you continue to speak to us as we look at your Word. We pray that you'd help us to remember what we've read in your Word we pray, Lord, that we would commit some of our free time, some of our extra time to just paging through the Scriptures, looking at what they say, reading them out loud to our children, thinking about these things and talking about them with our family, dwelling on them as we go to work and are even at work. Lord, I'm, I'm uh, so grateful for people who value the teaching of Your Word. I'm even just thinking of a friend who used to spend time memorizing Your Word on his lunch breaks through little note cards that he'd bring with him. Lord, I just, I, I'm just so grateful for the fact that you speak to us in all these ways. And Lord, we pray that we would be men and women who are just sensitive to your leading, who listen to your voice as you speak to us, and don't make a habit of hardening our hearts against you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this time that collectively we could just set aside time 
to see what your word says, learn more about who you are, worship you together, and open up our hearts to the Spirit of God, to your Spirit speaking to us. Thank you, Father, for reconciling us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so grateful for the ways in which we see you, the Father, and your Son, and your Spirit working together to help our faith mature. Strengthen us, guide us, direct us, we pray, and help us to hear your voice as you speak through your Spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.